Hello and welcome to the official podcast of Palate Exposure, featuring Ilona Thompson, a podcast for those seeking the ultimate in wine, food, and travel. Each week, she interviews winemakers, chefs, celebrities, and a variety of guests that shape the way we enjoy life. You know, I've always believed that if you have to start reading the legalese and involving third parties, you've never had a good contract to begin with. Yeah. It's bad business. You're right. Seriously. And unfortunately, I think the way American businesses work, unfortunately, you know, doing more business as I am now with international parties Mm -hmm. and entities, Mm -hmm. whether it's Burgundian winemakers, Mm -hmm. whether it's Israeli partners, whether it's clientele in Hong Kong or Asia, I have, I actually, I have no contracts really with these sort of parties. You might have agreements, things that are put sure. in email, at least so you know what's happening. It's not just, Setting so you know what the terms are, you know yes. what your incentive is, you know what, yeah. but you know, the American way of doing business, we are so reliant on a backstop of the legal system and lawyers mm-hmm. that that's, that's, almost, that's become unfortunately such a tool of our commerce. And it's almost it, what what you know brings a sick to my stomach feeling is like I I retreated you know and actually you know my Wally's experience uh, and some other experience I had you know made me made me kind of do some professional retreating if you will stepping back but in a you know in a way you know there are some. <laughs> I think it's a very American thing, which is it's using that as a tool of commerce to try to fuck people over. Sorry mm-hmm. for the, you know, sorry for the bad language. And, you know, and, and I don't I'm trying not to make it sound so cynical, but it's true. You know, the the idea of I mean, you know, we, we are the American America has the most lawyers. We spend the most on lawyers. We spend the most on, and there's it's there's a lot of just gotcha sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. You're like, whoops, who you know who is better at reading the fine print, and who has the better lawyers of proving something out? And uh, sorry, I grew up. My father was a lawyer. You know, I, and uh, <laughs> but, but I mean, he was a miserable guy with this. He hated it. He hated it. And and I think maybe that's why I learned what a shitty thing this is and then then suddenly seeing this with going through greenberg versus coke uh, you know the the man you know how that the legal system in america and the way that commerce and business uses lawyers contracts and legalities it's truly just it picks people apart for shit that doesn't really matter weaponry yeah. Weaponry, yeah, good word. Where you go somewhere else, and you could you can end up selling several million dollars of wine from a Burgundy producer on a handshake, and just the understanding that you're both working for each other to do the best thing. And okay, here it is. You sell this. Here's what you get, and I'll make sure it's delivered. Cool. All right. No contracts. No nothing. I mean. But you know, you're clear on what the arrangement is, and they know yeah. that you trust that you get the payment. You make the payment it's cool yeah no i could see how the opposite would totally wear you down and it gives you a lot of credit that um 
you decided to walk away from things you really couldn't control and couldn't fix. But unfortunately, you know, things like that sometimes prevail, at least in short term. And um, the wine industry at large, I think, gets romanticized a lot. And, and justly so. Wine is a very romantic notion that's rooted in history, but also mimics human experience. And there's a lot of philosophical ties to it. And we all love it and we all revel in it. And those that take advantage of it and do it in the business context, um, those individuals unfortunately taint a bigger oh, picture. Yeah. yeah. And um, hopefully there's enough voices like yours that would not necessarily for the sake of judgment at all, but really kind of get people thinking in the right direction. Because those of us that participate actively in the wine world, we all wind up sooner or later on a buying or selling side. Yeah, and yeah. to create a healthier environment where we all feel secure um, is really, really important. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, totally. And, um, and especially, <clears throat> In the you know my, the auction days when you're looking at the level of dollars being thrown around, mm -hmm. you know you'd have clients that average invoice could be a hundred thousand dollars in auction, right. and for them, it's not that that it may not be that much money for them, but you take you take everything seriously, uh, because that's no small laughing thing, and 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 it may seem <clears throat> sometimes you. you you see that and it, it you may not even have much contact with a client like that you may have right. never even met them right. at most you may have not even had a phone conversation there were clients literally never even talked to met maybe emailed a little bit or spending tons of money auction after auction but guess what they wanted just to be their own quiet thing but you knew they were putting the faith in the fact that of course you may have never heard anything from them you don't take it for granted though you don't start Very important. taking you don't start taking advantage mm -hmm. of it, pushing something. Yeah. Uh, because you, I guess, I could get in that head. It's like, you know what? There's some things people who are very busy, very stressed out, or, or just living their life, I can appreciate. This is something, uh, they're buying wine, you know. This is something, it's a distraction, a wonderful passion of theirs, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. It's something they don't want to worry about. They don't want to have, and, and they don't feel they have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. They have this tacit stamp of approval mm -hmm. from an auction house. And guess what? What we learned through that period of time with some of the not so great operators, you know, you know the auction houses weren't uncorruptible. Mm -hmm. Or they weren't necessarily in such a position to make all the right decisions. Right. For whatever reason, okay. Maybe they got bamboozled too, but you're, you're talking about a... You're, you're dealing with a clientele that they, they don't think they have to worry about this. I mean, some mm -hmm. of these maybe, you know, a, a guy that somebody is, you know, spending a hundred grand at an auction, that's a lot of money. And even for somebody who has a lot of money, doesn't mean they don't take that seriously. They may be their their real business may be buying and selling billion dollar real estate or whatever. 
And that's why they, they don't have the time to... Yeah. Go, you know, they're not going to come to the warehouse and even if even if the you know, the auction company and this is some of the reaction the auction companies had which is, well, we give you the right to come to the warehouse and inspect. It's like, "Oh, go fuck yourself." Sorry. <laughs> Pardon my French, but you know, you're talking about clientele that I I mean, if you go to Hermès or or you go to, you know, um I don't know, let's talk about a high-end jewelry shop or something that people Tiffany. there's Tiffany or whatever. I mean, Tiffany not saying, well, you're welcome to come to the factory. Mm -hmm. You're welcome to go to the diamond mine in Africa where we get this stuff and just to legitimize it. There's just inherent faith yep. in th these kind of businesses. And it should be that way when it comes to wine auctions, because 100%. that's truly where the best of the best is trafficked. And the, the standards need to be held at an extremely high level. That said, they're not. And it's, 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 I don't hold as much as it sounds like I should be shitting on auction companies. It's ultimately it's dr driven by the consumer, and it's um, uh, there because there is no regulation, there is mm -hmm. no real rules in place. It's already proven that auction companies, and there's multiple auction companies that have survived massive massive fraud mm -hmm. and are thriving yeah. okay mm -hmm. so i don't know man market does it it just it's not important to the market you know i think consumers that are listening need to pay attention especially those that have sellers and possibly thinking about selling wine uh, those that are buying wines that they may not think they will drink. At some point, you're going to find yourself in that position. You have to ask yourself a really hard question before that. You have to really do your research, understand what you're getting into. And you should apply the same ethical standards as you would to anything else. And if we hold those players accountable eventually they'll become extinct but it's your responsibility as a consumer to do so you know in the wine industry we often talk about you know in a light-hearted way you know wine is not rocket science you know it's we're not saving lives we make this kind of flippant comments but at the end of the day like you so succinctly put it's real money it's real time investment yeah. um if real things are at stake and those people that take advantage of it are getting away, away with it because not enough of us are saying that's not okay not enough to make a difference there are people i know that are taking that stance but uh it's 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 not enough that <clears throat> i think has made a difference do i have the answers i mean as somebody that grew up in the business rose to the highest levels in the business um, I don't understand, I could, I mean, it should be consumer driven, but again, the consumer base, whether it's because of nonchalance, blissful ignorance, what have you, um, or maybe as a result of some of the <clears throat> high profile scandals in the business that happened over the last 10, 15 years there have been just enough changes to keep going mm -hmm. without mm -hmm. raising eyebrows. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, should there be some sort of rules and regulation? I don't know. It's tough because, uh, you know, who's in a position to certify magnums of 59 Lafitte? Who's in the position to truly put a stamp of authenticity and approval on any kind of wine? That's effectively what the auction houses are doing, but with mm -hmm. the legal blanket that right. it's auction. And this isn't just wine auctions. You read Sotheby's catalog, if they're selling, let's say, you know, their, their contemporary art auctions, it's the same yeah. language, which is Absolutely. you're buying as is, and we don't, we, we are not necessarily putting a stamp of authenticity on anything we're selling. You know, mm -hmm. there's such broad based blanket legal wording mm -hmm. into the quote-unquote contract that the buyers are entering into when yeah. making a bid that th this is what the auction houses are hiding behind and yep. it's not just wine you're, you're talking about if you paid a hundred million dollars for a monet yeah. and it's proven to be fake of course Sotheby's is going to do something because of the PR or whatever, Christie's right. or whomever sold but it. But that's individual, very high. Yeah, but but cases. technically, technically, you look, read the fine print. You know, I'm not at all throwing like the great art house, art auction houses no, under the bus because not, I I do know that's them. That's not where you're coming I, from. I do know them, and obviously they have such wonderful expertise. You know, they have records to fall back on of provenance of mm -hmm. you, you know. So I'm not saying that's the same thing, but wine is so much different. It's much more harder to peg than let's say a great prominent Monet that comes to right. sale. You can trace that with some lineage. It's, yeah. you know, it's very rare. I mean, once in a while you hear like, oh, uh, we think we discovered a Van Gogh at a garage sale in yeah. Pennsylvania. Oh, really? You know, of course, maybe that sounds like a nice thing, but you know, most when it comes to that world of the auction of, auction world of fine things like that shit is so traceable now i mean it, it, where it came from the families where original invoicing you know when they yeah. sold this stuff whatever wine is different i mean there's you know uh, sure magnums of 61 latour i don't know i would speculate how many uh, 2000 magnum i don't know i'm just throwing a number out there let's, no, but you're, you're let's sure say there, right. you know what i mean you can't yeah. you know especially with all the wines and such like that i mean this day some of the wineries particularly in Napa Valley uh, putting blind marks you know in the labels wineries yeah, like sure. Carlin Estate and such like that they're going to an nth degree to authenticate what that is uh, but that's a relatively well, actually quite new practice totally when new. it comes to totally um, what what's been happening for the past several decades um, I think it's really important by beware and um, we're thankful for people like you that you know, really very sincerely yeah. give us an opportunity to put ourselves in notice and do something about it. Well, I, I would say <clears throat> as a, a, coming from a, prof, you know, professional who's been in the business a while, uh, uh, challenge and ask questions and especially do your best to, if if you're really trying to go on a limb with some serious money for some seriously great bottles mm -hmm. at auction ask questions auction houses have staff they have specialists they have people that are dealing with the clientele that are buying and selling 
they're doing the inspection of the wines. <clears throat> uh, but first and foremost, if you're not very clear on whatever provenance information is provided in the catalog, you can, you're, it's in your right to press for more and make your decision of your comfort level with putting a bid and buying that bottle or mm -hmm. case or whatever it is. Uh, the auction houses have uh, people ready, willing, and able to interact, to answer questions. And if you're not getting answers to the satisfactory answers to your questions, make your decision. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to buy it, if you're not confident enough, then you did you did more um, another level of diligence. And sometimes there are auctions of let's say prominent you know collectors or some amazing single owner seller, mm -hmm. where I've been on that side of it too. You know having. Uh, administrated some really amazing old cellars where wines were acquired, purchased, stored 1960s, 1970s, full cases of 45 Chateau de Chem, wow. 59 Mouton, still in the original wood, never opened. So, and you saw it firsthand. But then you know what? You're still going to get people that doubt you, don't believe you, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's all right. If you have that level of skepticism, totally you're right, then don't don't play. That's mm -hmm. fine. Mm -hmm. You know, but it's fine to ask questions. It's fine to, sometimes there may be, <clears throat> you know, some holes in the story that were unintentional. Mm -hmm. And the auction house might be able to provide information that you feel is missing. And it's cool. Yeah. They're happy to have that interaction and in, in the my experience and I still deal with <clears throat> virtually all the auction houses somehow you, you, they have seasoned staff and you make your own decision ultimately you're the consumer you're the buyer it is buyer beware quote unquote but ask ask whatever questions aren't making you feel comfortable with the transaction okay. and then if you're still uncomfortable Move on. There's always the next auction. Fantastic advice. You have a project in Italy that yeah. we touched upon early in the conversation. The, yeah. A version of Lambrusco, correct, in Veneto? That's right. And um, so, <clears throat> by the way, tomorrow, so we'll do, we'll do a video. I, my colleagues are coming up and bringing up How exciting. So, some, uh, this is, I'll show you. Sorry for those yeah, listening. Yeah, I was going to say sorry, guys. You can't as, see as it. As a preview for those. Yes. Oh my God! Well, so this is this is <laughs> what what I'm putting out. Post a photo, by the way. Post, so this is a magnum of Lakata, mm -hmm. but this was done by Swarovski, Swarovski Crystal. So Swarovski took we we had them commissioned. We commissioned them to do one magnum Swarovski Crystal. This was offered as a charity. Uh, lot and for a charity I work with so not only did I pay for Swarovski to make this magnum for the sake of the charity and I, I couldn't help but buy it for, at the charity auction that was being sold because this this is you this is like <laughs> well but it's so cool I mean look how oh it's absolutely gorgeous you guys I, I mean I'm blinded this is so it's gorgeous. bright and it's, and it's literally this was just a magnum of Lakata and they've they did the whole completely Swarovski treatment you know yes so uh I love the wine. It's a. This has been so much fun, uh, and and why 
definitely have no regrets looking back on you know the step I made leaving Wally's in the wine auction world it's it's it opened some doors I didn't have a plan but you know some some projects I figured it would I just knew I had faith I guess I knew some I I, I would find a way it was it gave me a time to uh explore and then Lakata this Lakata opportunity came by which was uh it started about two years ago mm-hmm. and one of my dearest friends he, he was a we worked together at Zaki's uh he joined in I think 2004 and then he was one of the ones that made a jump uh to Wally's after Zaki's Jermaine Stone you'll meet Jermaine tomorrow very cool uh he's coming up and um he again serendipity uh he was at a a barbecue or something and he met raekwon from the wu-tang raekwon's brother i believe was there just got to talking this wasn't an industry thing wasn't a business just a very mm-hmm. social friendly thing mm-hmm. but they're just talking in in, in a in uh what came about you know you know Raekwon's nickname in the Wu-Tang Clan is Raekwon the Chef hmm. so it turns out you know there's some interest Ray had in being in the food and wine business there's this whole wonderful trend of sort of uh, celebrity uh, endorsed celebrity mm-hmm. back kind of wine and spirits and what have you see it everywhere mm-hmm. P. Diddy and Jay-Z and and or or rock and roll guys or whatever mm-hmm. you know and, and or actors who have wineries i mean it's it's almost a natural fit and um so w- one thing led another and suddenly <laughs> fast forward a couple of months and we're literally in northern italy at vin italy with raekwon his brother his team our team getting our head around doing a project together and our mission was we're going to we're going to create some kind of wine and we had a rough idea but we wanted to go taste some things meet some wineries figure out what we were going to do and it came together fast and it came together beautifully we had this idea it, it, we sort of we liked the idea of lambrusco the idea of a sparkling wine mm-hmm. uh sparkling red from italy i think you know lambrusco gets kind of a bad rap in some corners if you go to italy and you say the word lambrusco they think you're fourth class citizen you know in, in, in italy you know lambrusco is has such a bad <laughs> reputation and for good reason you know it's on the lowest levels it's completely cheap sugary crappy wine but uh i i there there is there is lambrusco that's more artisanal more well-crafted better you know vineyard practices more you know not not just industrial swill or what have you we we had this concept in america there's a better market for it mm-hmm. and uh uh we ended up focusing on lambrusco something like that could be the thing mm-hmm. and we we met with we we discovered a winery that they don't do a lot of business in the u.s the name is chechi uh based in the Veneto region we went up met them made a couple trips back after the fact to sort of work with them on getting a wine together we had a very strong concept of what we were trying to go for mm-hmm. the profile very flexible they have a ton of capacity you know if we ramped up literally to making a million bottles a month they have the capacity to do that wow. and um 
so on so many levels it was intriguing but ultimately when when we came to making this wine together we loved it and it was the right thing and uh uh so ray was with us the whole time very hands-on we were myself Jermaine. uh <clears throat> we were bringing the wine business wine expertise level to it but it was a whole different it was a different jump it's something marketed it's something trying to be uh put out there that could be a, a more of a marketed brand something we believe in and um suddenly we got licata and what it is well we will taste it tomorrow uh we formulated the wine so the winery that we work with for us this is a proprietary it's not just we put a label on something they were already making or <clears throat> they can't use this and sell it as something else we have an agreement with them it's lambrusco style but by aoc laws in italy it's uh it wouldn't be lambrusco mm -hmm. and we're fine with that we're not trying to market as a lambrusco it's a northern italian sparkling red so we ticked up the bubbles so it's more champagne level bubbles it's uh the maceration was we it's it's macerated for like an additional four weeks to give it more depth of color more richness not necessarily more sweetness but more flavor yeah. more texture, boldness yeah. texture and then um it, it's what you call off dry okay. so just enough sweetness to be uh, you know compelling we'll try it but this is Lakata. we all worked on it together ray <clears throat> was he's a creative genius and he had this really concrete idea in mind about the packaging the bottle mm. itself you'll see uh actually over here here's oh, here's there it is. so in the corner is a, a bottle without the swarovski mm -hmm. crystal right so it's this beautiful like metallic blue yeah with fuzzy top and and it, I almost consider it, you know, Mouton does the artist label. Like this is huh. this is like an artwork that Ray created. This it, even the the concept of the logo of the Archer. And seriously, we were there, and like this all just came out of him in like five minutes or ten minutes. <laughs> he had this, and then it was able to be articulated by the winery, and and uh, it's so cool. We, so we love it. It absolutely is. I yeah. can't wait to try it looks very festive you cannot have a bad day if you have this bottle you know what seriously you feel the vision <laughs> yeah it, it's been so it's been fun so that's Lakata project and actually that's been <clears throat> between Lakata and then the burgundy stuff yeah you know that's what mostly is consuming my wine time these days well it's certainly worthwhile ventures very diverse you know two different iterations of what your visions creatively uh, philosophically and as articulated by um, your partners and yourself are absolutely fascinating stuff. It's been fun. It's mm -hmm. been fun. The conclusion of this interview can be found in the next podcast, already available for your download. Thanks again for tuning in to the official podcast of Pal Exposure, featuring Alona Thompson.